Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of In Game Live Right here on SportsGrid, we're giving you the edge. I am Dane Martinez. He is Jared Smith. And we continue to tour around the sports world, trying to make dollars and cents over it, and giving you a little stimulus package to end off the weekend as we turn the calendar to June. Jared, you know, we have continued to talk every week, right? And the idea is we don't know how these leagues are coming back. We don't know what agreements will happen. We also don't know if fans will be in the stands. It's been something of a moving target, if you want to know the truth, over the last month. And I was very surprised to see this new, uh, you know, addition into the pot, okay? We've been thinking the idea that there will be no fans at games for the foreseeable future, you know, every proposal we talk about, you know, we covered things like the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and their back and forth. All of these have been with the kind of inherent assumption that there is no fans in the stands. Well, Jared, that may be up for debate now as well. The state of Texas and their governor, okay, Governor Greg Abbott, has declared by executive order that fans can come now to outdoor sports with a capacity of 25%. You know, there's obviously some differences. They don't consider the Rangers and the Astros uh, outdoors because of yeah. retractable roofs and what Sorry, we're not having baseball anyway, so it's not going to matter. <laughs> we'll get into that. But here's the thing. You know, Jared, honestly, this literally comes the same day where the amount of new cases reported in Texas was an all-time high. Okay, the highest day ever in Texas. And we're also getting word that fans can come in. This speaks to the uncertainty of everything. But I wanted to get your reaction, too. Were you surprised by this? Because, honestly, I was. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm surprised. I, I, I do think I'm a little bit cautiously optimistic about all these things happening. I mean, eventually we have to get back to life. We can't just hide under our beds forever. And I think that is is where other 
entities, governors, states, you know, are, are forward thinking, you know, in, in that regard. It, it's definitely a unique situation. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be something that is fluid until we get. I mean, like, we, we, you know, we could say all we want about, oh, we want to try this. We want to try that. We're not going to know until we actually get to the point that these events are happening. And is our country in a place where we actually can do this right now? The trend is moving up, but hospitalizations are down. Other things are down. Things are, you know, moving in an okay direction. So I think overall, it's okay to plan for these things. And it's okay to give us, I don't want to say false hope, mm -hmm. but for me to say today on May 30th, 31st, uh, that, oh, yeah, we're going to have fans in the stands in September. I don't even know what I'm eating for dinner tonight. So I, I'm not ready to, to make any of those claims uh, about three, four months down the road. Sure. But again, forward thinking. You know, we, we we invest in the stock market all the time. That is a forward thinking instrument. You are not investing in the company today. You are investing in that company six to nine months down the road. That's what the stock market is a representation of. So if we are talking about news around coronavirus, we are hoping that the three to six month window that we're pushing a lot of these events out towards July, August, September, mm -hmm we are going to be able to hit those goals. Just like when you buy a stock, you hope it hits its price target. So I, I'm, I'm okay with Texas doing this, but I'm not ready to claim victory right now over the virus or over, you know, the lack of fans, the lack of sports. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I, you mentioned though, kind of the data points that are there and uh, we won't know necessarily the future, but one thing that is official is that the government has signed this order, right? It is now, I guess, legal, right? Or allowed for 25% to come on in. And you talk about, you know, down the road, there's an event next weekend, Jared, you know, um, IndyCar is set to run the Genesis 300, okay? That's happening at the Texas Motor Speedway. And the governor has said, Fans will be allowed to be there next weekend. However, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, the track president, though, Eddie Gossage, says differently. And here's herein lies the rub, right? And I keep on saying this. It takes all sorts of everybody being on the same page. So many different stakeholders. Here, the government officials are saying it's okay. But check this out for Mr. Gossage at the Texas Motor Speedway. And I quote... Nobody wants to have the stands filled with fans more than me, but mm. we're just not in a position to do that yet. While the state will permit us to operate at 25% of capacity, there are still too many unanswered questions for an event that is just one week away. So there you have it, right? And, and I think that's fair. It's like, okay, so the government's saying this, but then still the, I guess in this case, the, the owner of the facility or Formula One or IndyCar is saying, no, it's going to be so hard to get everybody on the same page. You talk about down the line, this was about outdoor sports. Remember also, Jared, the PGA Tour yeah. says that they are returning up in the state of Texas with its colonial. That's supposed to happen June 11th through 14th. You know, that's in the next two weeks as well. I think it's interesting that government is getting out ahead saying it's okay, yet the devil is in the details and some of these, you know, uh, heads of the specific sports or the tracks are still saying, no, 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 not so fast. I think overall, uh, the, the the message that I'm kind of getting from our local government and I guess state government, I, you so, know, not not our federal government. The federal government is it's, I don't even want to try to handicap the federal government. Uh, the state government handicap right now in the states that clearly want to get back to work, and I think those states are kind of regionally located in certain areas, Southeast, Midwest. I think the Northeast and California area, 
yeah. think those are the states that are obviously being more conservative towards reopening. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the states that are being very aggressive about reopening are red states. And the states that are being more conservative about reopening are blue states. And again, we don't want to get into a political debate on a sports show. It's probably not the weekend for that. But unfortunately, exactly. And that's the unfortunate part of this whole situation, Dane. And, and, and you're in this boat just like me because yep. you and I think simpatico about a lot of things. We like sports because they are devoid of these issues. Well, unfortunately, now they are not. And unfortunately, now sports, as I've mentioned many times on other shows, on this show, either playing sports or not playing sports is now a political statement. And unfortunately, when you mix sports and politics, you get results like this, where Texas wants to open and wants fans, and New York says, wait a minute, we're not even close to being there yet, and New Jersey's somewhere in between, and you got Ohio doing their thing. Every state, it, it, it is federalism. It is federalism at its core, and unfortunately, sports is not federalist. You, right. you can't have a successful sport league, conference, whatever, if every entity is on its own page and we're not on the same page. So the more we devolve into this federalistic, disotopian society yeah. that we are in, Absolutely. the less optimistic I am about sports getting back to what we are used to seeing. Yeah, I hear you, Jared, you know, and I think the uh, we've been saying this, right, that different states are experiencing this virus in different ways, in different time frames, with different curves. And you're talking about also there's different requirements. There's different leadership in these different states, different countries. I'm reminded of, you know, yesterday when I brought up the 10 different cities the NHL could still be in and how that creates 10 different contexts oh, yeah. potentially, right? So potentially, and we shall see. You know, Jared, you mentioned that you and I are simpatico on a lot of things. One thing that if anybody that was watching our show in Game Live yesterday knows that we're not necessarily simpatico, right, in comparing, com uh, juxtaposing the differences of the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball conversations, right? I do want to add a couple of details to that conversation. <laughs> Yes, I'll be, you know, I'll admit that I think helped my point, but I want to get your reaction to them, okay? There was a couple of things. I saw a story that I thought was very interesting. Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Larce was out on CNBC uh, recently, okay? And he's talked about that the board is going to meet and probably vote on a proposal about kind of the playoff format, some of the other details, like if they're gonna have a regular season uh, continuing or go straight to the playoffs or not, that this is going to happen, uh, a vote will likely happen early this week coming up. Cool, right? That I think sets the where we are in the process of it, sure. you know? So that's one thing. But you know, I'll give you something that you were talking about yesterday, like all the players are kind of harmonious and happy about this. In this, what I saw, Bucks, you know, Giannis is saying, and I quote, Okay, um, I want to play as long as it's safe for me and my family. And then here's the, the statement that I think advocates for your point, right? Um, I'm going to leave it in the NBA hands and trust that they will make the right decision. Yeah. Okay, that's sort of like what you were talking about, that maybe there, it's a better relationship and that's going on. But I do want to say two other quick points from the same sure. exact article. One says right after that, but any team, any plan that team owners agree on will then have to be presented to the players' union and approved. That kind of back and forth that we're now sure. seeing in Major League Baseball. But here's the other part that was interesting. I also saw a quote from the NBA Players Association executive, the leader, Michelle Roberts. 
Okay. And she says the following. She has, quote unquote, downgraded her confidence from an eight out of 10 to a six out of 10 if they will resume games. And here's her quote. I've been getting some recent concerns expressed by players now that babies or children have been infected. Yeah. And there are now heightened concerns that are coming into the conversation <laughs> as we proceed. To me, that's saying, hey, she's a little less confident as we go down further and further down that path. Similar to what I was saying, going from the yay, kumbaya, we're all in this together, to oh snap, as we start to uncover and pinpoint some of the details, less confident. Um, now, I get it that these are around maybe health and the idea of the families. You know, Mike Trout is out there saying his, you know, his, his, his wife has just had their baby. So I want to ask you, what do you think? Because to me, this idea of the Players Association head saying oh, her confidence is waning and the idea that the proposal will obviously have to be presented and negotiated, to me, I think, speaks to maybe we're not completely home free just yet, Jared. But what do you think? <clears throat> I, I agree. I, I think home free is a very poor choice of words okay. for anything in Fair. the COVID world. Fair. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a situation, even when we are on the court playing the games, right. that we are home free. Right. There is always going to be a cloud of doubt about what if we get it? We can wake up at any moment and get one of these notifications. Sure. X player has tested positive Absolutely. season crumbling, you know. Uh, so home free is tough. I, I, I sympathize with Michelle's, you know, position because the players, I think, are in are taking more of the risk. There's no doubt about that, that the players are taking the more riskier approach. Hmm. And Giannis's comment, I thought, was telling. And we'll get to a little bit more after the break. Sure. But Giannis's comment was telling because what Giannis was talking about was health and Correct. safety. Whereas you haven't really heard that as much in the baseball world. It's been much more geared towards yeah. this. I hear you. And and so even if basketball is having those problems, they're being handled diligently and also with some class and some taste. Whereas yeah. in Major League Baseball, the airing of the dirty laundry is right. in full force. We are not hearing discussions about health in the baseball world. We are hearing discussions about money. Maybe yeah. they are having health discussions. I'm assuming they are. But right. the optics of the situations mm -hmm. are very different. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to, you know, what I was saying yesterday. We're seeing how the sausage is made. And we'll continue to have this conversation right here on In Game Live, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. Uh, I want to see what this thing looks like. 
Are you going to be doing that accent this whole part? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top they ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. In a winner chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas, We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in, everybody, to In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. Dane and Jared touring you around the world of sports. And obviously, when there is no major team American sports right now, Jared, the idea of how they will return is a big topic of conversation, right? We had that conversation a lot yesterday, but I'm bringing some of these, you know, kind of newer pieces of information, at least for me, um, into the equation, right? And I think the idea of the NBA Players Association head coming out and expressing some concern. Okay, yeah. even before the formal proposal has been finalized, you know, I I just found this a little bit counter to kind of some of the assumptions maybe you were making previously or the kind of tone that you thought was definitively in place in those negotiations. What do you think about uh what Miss Roberts is saying? I'm not as negative about them because this is someone it's her job to voice concerns. Right. So I think what she's doing is she's presenting the United front and she's telling the world, this is what the players feel. But right. if you take what she was saying and you compare it to what Tony Clark was saying, or even Scott Boris for that matter, I don't know right. why he thinks he's, you know, the union head and all of this, right. but he does, he has inserted himself into this discussion. 
yeah. uh, for better or for worse, likely for worse. I, I think overall what Michelle was saying, obviously it's concerning because we want to have these concerns worked out, but it didn't seem like it was irreparable. Like, whereas what we're hearing from Tony Clark is right. what are you doing? Like, you know, it's like off totally on the mm. other side of this is not going to work. You're, what you're saying is not even worthy right. of a of a of a counter offer. Whereas Michelle Roberts was simply, and it was not one mention of anything monetary at all. It was all not that we know of. Not that we know <laughs> of. And that and that's another part of it, though. Yeah. It, it you know sometimes it some things are better left unsaid. Mm. Just because Tony Clark yeah. doesn't say the players are peed off because of the money doesn't mean that's not going to be said at the table that they're negotiating. Fair. And that, to me, is the difference here. And I'm not saying that Tony Clark crazy. I, I do think it was a little short-sighted of them to really air the dirty laundry like Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer literally was airing yep. dirty laundry. We saw the sausage. Yeah, like literally. Yep. You know, if the owners opened up their books, you would see what the truth is. Like, you're basically accusing them of not only fraud, but conspiracy. So right. to, to go from that to Michelle Roberts saying, you know, I'm a little bit less optimistic because I have these concerns about player health and safety. Yeah. That's great. I applaud that. That is what she should be saying. That's also what Tony Clark should be saying. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, from the union of baseball, we're getting a much different rhetoric, much different tone. Yeah. The one thing I would say to answer back, and we don't have to have the same circular conversation we had yesterday, but the one thing I would say back, Jared, to that is, it's, again, the timing of the process of it all, right? So remember, for months, in March, in April, Tony Clark thought they had an agreement, right? The prorated salaries and all that. Thought that it was gonna be, they had something ready to go. Then, when they saw what the actual formal proposal was, Right? That's when all this started. Yeah. Okay, the idea of reacting to this, we thought we had something, the cuts are massive, we're not okay with this, right? And all I'm saying is, I kind of think we're in that time and space right now for Michelle Roberts. She thinks they have something that could be, that they can still you know, play nice in the sandbox, have, have nice comments publicly about them. But that's why I brought up the point. Any plan the team owners agree on, which hasn't even happened yet, will then be proposed to the players' union, which is not at that place yet. And yesterday, when we were talking about it, I said a lot of if, maybe, we don't know, we'll see, right? Because we haven't gotten to the point yet where there's a formal proposal agreed on by the owners formally on you know that side of the net. The ball is not in their court yet. And that, to me, is kind of my biggest point. Sure. I also agree with you that you know it's a worse look to talk about money versus health absolutely right but we've talked about this before the idea that all of these things will ultimately need to be agreed upon the health the money and the logistics right the travel the the testing all of those things i believe are not even formally done yet until there's actually a proposal that is being batted back and forth so we will definitely see Right. And it sounds like uh, the NBA is going to have their proposal early next this week. Right. And then all I'm saying is it's still something of an open question to see what is finalized in that paper and to see how people respond. And then we'll see if there is kind of as much peace and harmony as unfortunately there is certainly not in Major League Baseball. Are we uh, kind of on a similar landing page here? Now? No, I, I and, and I think. 
this is why, and this is, I, I wish our, our other leaders would, would do the same thing that we do every day, which is get on Skype or Zoom, whatever, uh, and reasonably have discussions about yeah. things that are happening in the world and come to reasonable conclusions. We're all logical people. We're all human beings. We're all evolved uh, past the point of, you know, primitive species where we can talk things out and make them make sense. That's what we do. That's all handicapping is. I get asked this sure. question all the time. What do you mean? What does that mean? You're Another success for the conglomerate, Jerry. Yes, exactly. But that's <laughs> that's what handicapping is. Handicapping is, <laughs> remember back in school, in elementary school, when your teacher was like, all right, kids, it's time for a lesson in reading comprehension. You and go. you're like, ugh, I hate that. That's all handicapping is. Looking at something, reading it, reading the tea leaves, having it go in this little ear hole here, and then it, your brain just kind of, you know, thinks about things, and then you spit out a reasonable conclusion right. about either a prediction or, or a take on something. Right. That is handicapping. And unfortunately, this is a very dire situation that we are currently handicapping. Not only all the unrest because of the pandemic, right. but now we have labor disputes to throw into the mix. So it, 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 is, it is an interesting conversation because at its core, it's very different, but you're right. What we're hearing now in, in the NBA process, it they're at a different stage than Major League Baseball. And the part about Giannis's quote that I really took with me, sure. can he trust the NBA? You know, that's something you're never going to hear from Major right. League Baseball players. Sure. We trust the owners. We trust the union to make the right decisions. No, no, it, it, it's like this. It's like rock right. em, sock em robots. So I, I that's the part that I think is hard to swallow. But at the end of the day, I got asked this question last night, and 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 I'll continue to stand by this this assumption. Mm -hmm. When push comes to shove, and the hourglass is down to its final few grains of sand, right. I do believe a deal will be struck. And wait, hey, and I hope so too, right, Jared? You know, and we will still see some of the details of this plan uh, early next week or early this week, right? And we'll know. For example, will 16 teams, 20 teams make the playoffs? We'll find out. Will this happen in a 1 through 16 format, or do my damn Eastern Conference futures bets continue to hold? We will learn all of this, and as we go further down the process, right, Jared, we'll continue to let everybody know how to read the tea leaves and make some sense of it. Another thing, though, we are excited to talk about and we talked about it some yesterday, is the NHL has a proposal with some details still to be worked out, but we're excited about what they're giving yes, us here, right? Are. As sports fans, the idea of potentially 24 teams in the playoffs, right? 12 on each side, including four from each conference that maybe would not have qualified, but because the regular season is being, in essence, sacrificed or the back end of it is being skipped, they're deciding in this proposal to go ahead and put four extra teams in each conference. And that, you know, I can be cynical also. I said it yesterday. That ironically gets three of the original six, the moneymakers that move the needle for the NHL, into this draw, right? Yep. We talked about things like, ooh, the hot goalie. We talked about things like, ooh, what they're creatively doing potentially for the top four seeds even, right? Um, so there's a lot to be uh, kind of broken down here, and we will get into the series by series and see if there's any some leans here, because I know you said plus money that you liked uh, yesterday, but I do want to ask you... that I really like. Alright, we're definitely going to get into it. Yeah. I do want to ask you one hockey. last big that picture question about this, though, because I don't know that we hammered it on this piece. I'm seeing that the top four seeds, though, right, that all get buys will play some kind of round-robin tournament, right? On one sense, I 
makes sense. They got to have yeah. some runway to, to get back to the shape. In the same way as these qualifying teams are having a series, right? So that I understand that, but it seems like the standings of this kind of like World Cup esque round robin will determine the standings of one through four. Now, correct yep. me if I'm wrong, Jared, but in some of these in the conferences, one through four was you know there was a big gap in some of them, and now you may have a team like, for example, you know the Washington Capitals, right? Not be the one seed and be all the way down on the four and have a dramatically harder opponent. How, how does this part of the plan jive with you? I you know. Unfortunately, I do think the top four teams are at a slight disadvantage here, and right. I know that sounds crazy. So like because the Bruins they're the best are the team. one right now, and right, yeah, hundred points. They yeah, could yeah, yeah. Four, you know, and I don't know if they've been hot or if Tampa Bay or Washington or Philly was hotter right now, right? And then the Blues, you know, the Blues are listen, the Blues are twelve points ahead of Dallas, one to four. Okay, but now that don't really matter as much. It's going to be about three games that they play. You're cool with that, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of have to be because that's just the way that the standings are going to shake up. I will say this. The Edmonton Oilers got kind of screwed in this deal. So they actually had more points than the yes. Dallas Stars. Yes. But, but the, Stars, the five seed. points percentage is what they do because the Stars played two games. fewer games. Yeah. So how can you take away – how can you penalize right. the Stars for being one point behind – but they played two less games. So they could win both. Assumption with those two games played, they would have earned at least two points. At least one to tie, you know. So it goes by points percentage. So the stars, and that's why, you know, not to you know, not to give you know to give away the farm there, but the stars are in my portfolio. Okay. Uh, because of that, I think they get a little bit of a boost. Edmonton obviously gets kind of the short end of it, and they've got a really tough first round matchup against the Blackhawks. And you want to talk about a team with second life. This was a team that was literally left for dead, the 12 seed in the right. West. But this is also a team that arguably has some of the best talent in hockey. Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. They've won, what, three Stanley Cups in the last 10 years. So mm -hmm. Chicago is a very dangerous team. Plus 134 on that series opening price against the Oilers. Obviously, the Oilers are, are, are great. You know, they've got the two leading scorers uh, in the NHL, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah. So I, I think overall, this is a very dangerous Edmonton team. Top power play unit, really good offensive attack. But Chicago has that grit, right. that toughness. And, and that they're going to have Tate and Kane back from injury as well. And they also were dreadful on the power play this season. And those numbers mm -hmm. have a funny way of shaking out. And this is basically a new season. I mean, this... Yeah. Is That's basically a brand new season. Throw anything out the window that happened in March. This is basically four months later. We are picking things back up in the most heightened time. We'll get into it more after the break, but I think there's some edges to be had. All right, so let's find those edges. Throw the records out the window. We're going to find these edges when we come back. It's in-game live right here on SportsGrid, capping what might be the playoff round of the playoffs. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out... F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pot? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, you find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who are in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. (laughs) Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're saying right now? He's he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody, to In-Game Live right here on Sports Grid. Dane and Jared, we're about to dive into what looks like it may be the, and they're calling it the qualifying round, Jared, yeah. not even the first round. It feels to me, you know, like those play-in games in Dayton for March Madness on that Tuesday before it starts. And the question is, right, like, oh, is that the first round? No, it's not really the first yeah. round, how we call it. But you know what I'm talking about. I did want to ask you one other question question here uh, in a big picture about the format because you said that Edmonton you know had uh, more points right than Dallas but kind of got hosed because of the games played 
Oh, Jared, I draw your attention to the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings where the Montreal Canadiens yep. have 71 points, okay? And they got in, right? The Buffalo Sabres have 68 points, but they have played two fewer games than the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, you mentioned one team that got, you know, kind of the short end of the stick. At least they're still in the damn bracket. You True. know what I mean? The I points mean, percentage, though, is what they went by there, though. Yeah, Montreal does have the tough. higher points percentage. It's so that's very tough. I, I do think the points percentage, it's not, it's not equitable, but the points percentage does make sense, if, you know, from a math perspective. They had this many opportunities and they scored this many points, there's a winning... It's basically winning percentage, but it's Absolutely. boiled... It's kind of in a different wrapper. So I, I think it makes sense. Montreal in general, I mean, goodness gracious, talk about a team. And, and they're a very interesting team in all this. So they get the Penguins, which obviously is an, is about as you know elite of a matchup as you can get. Original right. six team versus arguably the best team in hockey over the last two decades, three decades, with Lemieux and Yager. And then funny how it worked Cross. out that way, huh? It is funny. And also Montreal... I really, and this is why, and this is more of a macro strategy. I don't want to blanket just the Canadians with this outlook. But I think overall, if you were going to ask me to handicap the entire playoff picture in the NHL, my advice to you would be to take no favorites, like none. Right. Because I, I just think overall, it's very hard for us to actually handicap favorites. It is a brand new season. This is why I like the Isles so much. It is Three months a brand, in between, right. It is a brand new season and why am I laying juice for really unknowns? Would you lay this kind of juice early in the season for a team to win? Probably not. You want to go small and nibble and get some information and see where things shake out. But I think you've got a real opportunity with some of these really big. And I, when I say underdogs, I mean 50, 60 to 1 type underdogs. You know, the Isles are 42 to 1. The Rangers are 40 to 1. Those are the kinds of underdogs I'm looking to nibble on early. Because if they win a round or two and get hot, that 42 to 1 gets cut in half, if not more than half, and you already get your nut and you can hedge off of it and talk about know, that you, snacking, right? Yeah, you know hey, I'm like a squirrel in the winter. I like to collect all my nuts and then yeah. I like to snack where accordingly. So I that that's why I've already collected uh, a couple of these futures bets into my portfolio. I'm on the aisles, I'm on the stars, right. and and I think overall they present some value opportunities where these numbers really could get cut in half. Within, in a very short time span, and that is where I maximize my value. When I can capitalize on something that goes from 42 to 1 to 20 to 1 in like a week, well, then all of a sudden you you you, you kind of narrow the field a little bit. And I, and I think you're not going to see numbers at the top of the leaderboard get cut down that quickly. I think you're going to see some skyrockets. I don't know where they're coming from. I hope it's the teams I just told you. But I, I do think there is going to be one or two teams, like we've seen in the normal format with the sure. NHL playoffs, that come from the back of the pack and make some noise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I get you with the points percentage, right? I just think it's a shame for the Buffalo Sabres. Like, that could literally be yeah. a function of the calendar, right? Like, if the NHL decided to close up shop, I believe it was, like, Friday, uh, uh, like, the 6th, maybe, or whatever day it was, if they played one more day, you know, and the Sabres happened to have had a game that they won and Montreal had an off day this would be different, you yeah. know, so we shall see. But you mentioned going with some of the big plus numbers, and Montreal represents that in the series price against Pittsburgh, right? So I know that you like the variance. You know that there's a lot of unknown here after the month's off. I'm seeing in the series price, Jared, Montreal as plus 165, the Penguins at minus 205. That's the biggest plus number on the board. Yeah. We also yesterday talked about how in this sport, 
Yeah, it's more than an ace in pitching in baseball. To me, it's more than the quarterback in football, the goalie, especially in these series. If some yeah. of these goalies get hot, especially after the two, three months off, whatever it is, and they're hot coming out the gate, that can be a huge factor. And I know the Canadians have one of the best goalies in the NHL. So I'll stake my claim on that at plus money as well. Is this one of the upsets you're looking at for a series? I definitely am not laying with Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, I haven't decided if I haven't gotten in the window yet on this one. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to because I'm not I, I don't know much about how I feel about Montreal's other players, but you're right. Right. If Carey Price gets hot and steals game one, well then I'm gonna really, really right. think about hopping on the Canadians for the rest of the playoffs because we saw it with Jonathan Quick, I think it was twenty twelve. We've uh, seen it a few times. Yeah. And and, and I do think overall Carey Price is is still an elite level goaltender. The Canadians have a have a bevy of issues, you know, a lot of off the ice issues, and and guys kind of falling off the bandwagon a little bit with buying into the team concept. Okay. And there's been a lot of locker room issues in Montreal, and I don't blame them at all. In the last 20 years, they've had some good seasons, but they've always been cut short. I remember the one year that they were the top seed in the East, and the Rangers beat them uh, yeah. in the East Finals rather handily, and that was the year that the Rangers lost to the Kings in the Stanley Cup Finals, but. I think overall, this is a Canadians team that certainly has a new lease on life. And that is a very intriguing handicap in this postseason. How do the teams who would have not been in the playoffs react to this new scenario? And on the other side of that, Carolina, Edmonton, teams that were openly against this format, how do they react? I think it could go both ways. I had a good conversation with Cam Stewart uh, a little bit earlier this week. He's really high on Carolina. He thinks they're one of the best young teams in the NHL, and he is dismissing that handicap of they're not happy about the format. He actually thinks it could motivate them uh, in the future. So, and I trust Cam's hockey rhetoric and and his hockey backdrop without you know more than my own most days. Um, I would say all days, but I, I disagreed with him in that particular spot because I just was a little bit more willing to get money with the Rangers, considering they, I thought, were kind of the better position team in this particular spot. Another very interesting thing about this Rangers series, uh, you know, we're here in the New York area, so we're obviously uh, very familiar with Henrik Lundqvist. Mm -hmm. This could be the last hurrah. The end for for him, him. actually, yes. And he he was 3-0 against the Hurricanes this season. The Rangers 4-0 against Carolina. I did lock in uh, New York plus 120. Uh, I did get a decent price. It's moved a little bit. It's moving. It, yeah, it's it's. I think it's going to keep moving. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this. And it's crazy because it's a five twelve matchup. Right. But I, I would not be surprised. Six eleven, I think. Uh, mm. But I would not be surprised if it was an evenly priced matchup. Come, I don't know, late July when they do drop the puck. Yeah, I mean, and you spoke to this already, right? Because it is moving. I see the Rangers now as, you know, dogs, but not by much. Call it the plus 110, 115 range. And Carolina at around minus 135. You know, you were going to, you alluded to it. That's something I was going to ask you. You know, you mentioned uh, when the Rangers beat the Canadiens a few years back, you know, Henrik Lundqvist helped those Rangers get to the Stanley Cup finals yeah. then losing to Los Angeles. I remember like that double overtime game where both goalies were standing on their heads. And, you know, Lundqvist is interesting to me as well. Because when the trading deadline in the NHL was coming around, the Rangers were like, we're having a press conference. And everyone was like, uh-oh, are they going to trade Lundqvist? Is he retiring? What's going on? Everyone knew it was something like that. 
So the idea, yes, this could be the last hurrah for someone like Lungfist. And the Rangers did not think they were qualifying for the playoffs, but now they've got a chance. I also believe, I think they went 4-0 and against Carolina in the regular they season did. so far. And Lundqvist had all three goals. I mean, had that three of those wins. Exactly. And so I look at, we talked about Price. I look at King Lundqvist as another example of someone who if he takes this opportunity, the Rangers can be dangerous. How much of this? I know you said you did get to the window on the blue shirts, but what else were you thinking about when you got there? Yeah, so our Terry Panarin is, <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. So if you're a Rangers fan, and, and I actually don't think we've had this conversation. Are you a Rangers fan? I'm a Rangers fan. I'm not, hockey's not one yeah, of my I, Yeah, hockey's not sports, your thing. But yes, I am a Rangers fan. My uh, my uncle is a member of the New York City Police Department and has, uh, in 94, he taught me that in, if he just rolled up to the garden in his police uniform, yeah, you can wind up seeing the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup playoffs for free if you just roll on in. So uh, with that context, I will tell you, yes, I am a Rangers fan. I love fan. it. So if you're a Rangers fan, Artemi Panarin is is probably someone you're thinking about early and often, and I'm definitely thinking a lot about him. But before we went on pause here, uh, he was having, uh, I would say, a stretch that you would say he mm -hmm. might be playing the best of any of any skater in the entire league. So uh, I'm very bullish on Panarin. I'm very bullish on Chris Kreider returning, mm. and that is huge. I mean, anyone who knows the Rangers knows that Kreider is kind of the engine of, yeah. of that offense, especially on you know on the top line there. So. I, I think Kreider and Panarin coming back are are huge, or Panarin's been back. He, you know, Panarin just continuing to play as well as he had uh, with Kreider coming back, I think is a boost for them. And you mentioned, you know, mindset. And yeah. I, I do believe, and, and we know better than anyone, the playoffs is not, that's why we call it the second season. There's sure. a reason why. There's a different mindset when you're into the postseason. And not only is there a different mindset in the postseason, but there's a different mindset. And I'm going to paraphrase. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, coin this phrase because uh, this is now my new. You, I mean, we 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 love alliteration. The pandemic postseason. That's what mm. we're calling this. And it's going to take even a more elevated and a more strengthened mind to make it through these obstacles. The the hockey postseason is such a grind as it is. Yeah. Now you're adding teams and you're adding neutralized new elements, pandemic, co all of these things. It mm -hmm. is going to take the most experienced, the mentally toughest, the most gritty, and hockey players are the grittiest of the gritty anyway. So now you have to elevate that. And the Rangers are pretty well suited for that. I mean, you've got Lundqvist who's basically seen it all. This is a Rangers team. The last year or two has been kind of quiet, but this is a Rangers team that has a lot of postseason experience still on the roster to an extent. Kreider was a big-time player uh, on a lot of those teams that made deep runs in the playoffs yes. a few years ago, as obviously was Henrik Lundqvist. So, and then you throw in Panarin's excellence, and you've got some recipe there uh, for a team that has a little life. So overall, very bullish on the Rangers. They're kind of a public trendy dog right now, and that's obviously a little concerning. Uh, there's not as much public love in the NHL, so it's not as trendy of a dog as, say, an NFL you know, public dog would be. So I'm not totally off of that bandwagon just because a lot of movement has come on this Rangers side over the last few days since this has been announced. But overall, I think New York has the tools to make it, again, goaltending and mental toughness. They've got them both.
There you go. So they have the ingredients. When we come back on the other side of the break, you know, one of the things Jared said is that he's looking at some plus money. We are going to test the theory and see how high the plus numbers can go when uh, some of these teams he thinks will advance on a quest for the Stanley Cup. We'll do that when we come back. It's in-game live. We're trying to give you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Dane and Jared will be here. Hopefully you will be too. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. 
In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in in-game live here on Sports Grid. Dane and Jared going around the NHL potential playoff structure, you know, and it's interesting. You know, can I ask you before we dive on in sure. without getting back into crazy conversations? You know, one of the things that we saw, though, was that we don't know which of these hub cities they're going to play in yet. Right. Correct. They're going to be two cities. OK, they're NHL franchise cities, though. Right. So one of these teams that are in here in the playoffs may wind up being in their home market, right? Like, that's very possible. You know, when we look at some of the cities that are, you know, on the radar for this to happen, I know that's not confirmed yet, right? But the potential for, you know, say Chicago to be a hub, does that help you at all when looking at the Blackhawks-Oilers series? Like, there's still a chance that it's in Chicago. That's a good and, point. And, and, but there's no fans, though. So Fair. Yeah. But you're sleeping in your own bed. You're sleeping in your own bed. You know, yeah, and, and actually, there are some benefits, right? And I know it's an unknown at yeah. this point, but you know, where in this process and how much does it, you know, factor into the way you're thinking about these? I think that, and it's actually funny you mentioned that because it brings me to another point with the NBA, yeah. where I'm curious if part of this deal for the let, let's just use the NBA as the mechanism because we do. I can confirm that Orlando is going to be a, uh, the, the, the place. If there are games, I think they're going to be in Orlando. Okay. So let's fast forward to a one versus whatever the matchup is for the Bucs. Sure. I believe it slates in Grizzly. that yeah. they face the Magic. I okay. believe. Sure. Yeah, right. that is well, true. the game that's in Orlando. Orlando. <laughs> are the Magic, Magic going to be able to sleep in their own beds, or do they have to stay in the bubble? Got to be in the bubble, probably. I, well, that's part of it. So, so here's the thing, though, Jared, more unknowns that we don't know about that a player, when they hear what the confirmation on that exact question is, may not like the answer. You know what I mean? You can't blow up the entire format, though, because one team gets a slight edge. And I, I actually, if I was the NBA Players Association, the union, mm -hmm. and one of the hangups was, listen, the Magic – they're home in Orlando. They want to be with their families. They want to be in their own beds. If that's a hangup, I, I would concede that. I, I would. That's if that was something that was separating. might be that a Magic player that has to travel to and from inside the bubble brings then in an inherent risk of bringing the virus inside the bubble. So I don't yeah. know how I'd feel about that. But I, I wouldn't feel great if I was one of the other teams. That's what I'm saying. But but at some point, and I think this is this is why we haven't gotten anywhere with Major League Baseball yet. There haven't been those, you know, trade-offs. Yeah. We haven't seen much negotiating. All we've seen is, you know, here's the hammer, here's the nail, and that's mm -hmm. it. Like, that's really all we've gotten. In the NBA, I'm assuming that these conversations are being at least pondered in some capacity because that, to me, is a logistical snag in this plan where if I'm – I don't know who's even on the Magic these days. Aaron Gordon? There if, you go. If I'm Aaron Gordon – I want to be in my own bed. I don't want to be in some hotel with a bunch of other dudes. Like, so those are issues. And, and absolutely, 
the 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 Chicago situation is certainly in play. I believe Edmonton was on the list as yeah, well. Yeah, there's ten cities, you know, yeah. and we don't know. And I mentioned, you know, some of them are in Canada, so you yeah. know, it's a completely different, you know, power structure and set of regulations. I do think it's interesting. You mentioned also, you know, the monkey wrenches can come in different forms. They could be financial. They can be health. They could be logistical. So we'll continue to see that. I brought it up, though, Jared, you know, because you were talking about plus money, that you're into some plus money. And we already talked about kind of the Canadians, which are the biggest dog on the board. When I see the next two biggest dogs on the board in terms of the money for the series, for me, there's two series where it's like plus 135. It's the Columbus yeah. Blue Jackets, right, going up against Toronto and the Chicago Blackhawks going up against Edmonton. And I brought this up because I believe all four of those cities are in the running to yeah. be hubs, you know? So it's there is a chance here that there you is. can get plus one with one of the hub cities. And I didn't know how big of an impact that was for you trying to, you know, kind of wrap our heads around all of these factors that are in play before you're going to go ahead and actually hit submit. I know you like the plus money, but does any of those factors move the needle for you in either of those two series? And which uh, dog would you be more likely to bet, Columbus or Chicago? I would love to fade all the Canada teams, and we'll get okay. into some Canadian discussion later. But yeah. I, it's just for some reason there's been this blockage with Canada teams in the playoffs. And we, we had Julie Stewart Binks on TMA uh, yesterday. And, you know, if, if for, if for those of you that are unfamiliar with her, she's a, you know, a fairly well-known sportscaster here in the, in, in the country. She worked for Fox sports uh, here in SNY uh, in New York city. And she's Canadian and she's got a big, you know, a, a big, uh, you know, very, very high expectations for her Maple Leafs. And okay. even she was like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on with the Canada teams. Like, I don't get it. So, it, obviously, the Canadian hockey affiliates, the teams, the kind of coalition there, they've been flummoxed uh, in sure. the playoffs of late. So I, I, I'm probably initial lean fading a lot of those Canadian teams. Uh, there is, you know, a little bit of a disconnect with travel. Right. Something tells me, though, I have a weird feeling that the NHL might put one of these hub cities in Edmonton. I, I, I just I just have a feeling that might be the answer. I don't have I don't have any information to confirm that. It's right. a total gut gut because the proposal hasn't been documented yet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because we 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 look at these teams and and we're trying to find edges and angles. Right. And I think your best case scenario for a lot of these teams is to play furthest from home. Think about a lot of these teams that have been you know kind of yeah you know kind of really really hunkered down over the last few weeks sure. few months. I'm sure, and hockey players are as are as courageous and as and as you know death defying. They're, they're they 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 don't fear a lot of things. They play with broken arms, you know, fractured pelvises and punctured lower lungs. body injury. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we call it an LBI. They right. can't walk because their femur sticking out the back of their thigh bone. But uh, it, you know, I I do think there might be some element of camaraderie being further from home and and kind of you know, overcoming yeah, the, the obstacle of it. Yeah. yeah, you know, so I, I, it might actually hurt some teams. I do feel like by the time we get these games played, which is going to be July, August, two months yeah. down the line, it, we have to get to a place in our country where we're not scared to get on a plane and travel somewhere. Like, we have to get back to that point. And these oh. are going to be private chartered planes that are wiped down, and, and they're going to be in a bubble from the hotel to the arena. I don't think the fear of COVID is going to have a very big impact on the games themselves. But I like the angle of travel. 
I like the angle of travel and I like the angle of camaraderie. Unlike some of the other sports, the NHL has a really tight knit locker room. You know, there's, there's not a lot that gets between those guys. We've heard skirmishes in a lot of other locker rooms. You don't hear it much in the NHL. It's a very class. First of all, it's disgusting. I don't even been in an NHL locker room. It smells like <laughs> terrible and it's hot and it's sweaty and it's gross. It, it, it's a, it's a tight knit unit. These guys go to war literally, you know, NBA is not a war like the NHL is a war. You know, so I, I think overall, you might get some positive, you know, edges off of teams far away from home. And maybe the Chicago angle with them playing in hmm. Chicago might actually hurt them because they're going back to their homes. They're with their families. They're hearing about all the other issues They're you know, and, and I've heard that all the time in college sports, the road games, sometimes it it's almost like you focus more, you're, you're you know, because right. you're not dealing with yeah, all yeah, yeah. these things at home. And the so, will call and the fans that need and your family yeah, and friends absolutely. that need tickets. Yeah. So it could go the other way. I'm not saying the, the home angle yeah. is is totally crazy, but I can picture a world where it's on the other side of the coin. And actually, the further away from home these guys are, the better, more focused they might be. All right, fair enough. One thing that I heard loud and clear is that you are fading Canada on some level here. I agree with you, though. I'm not going to say Edmonton per se, but I'll bet that one of these two cities is north of the border uh, because of all the Canadian teams that are in play, you know, and they kind of need to honor, obviously, you know, this is kind of Canada's national pastime, but you are fading Canada. But I got to tell you something, Jared, at least one Canadian team will advance because two are facing off against each other, right? There you go. So talk to me about the Jets and the Flames series because this is also one of the ones that's as close to a toss-up as per the books as possible, right? I see the Flames as very, very small favorites here around minus 115 to the minus 105 of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, this series is kind of interesting. Winnipeg has a really high-powered offense, Shifley, and 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 they've got some big-time snipers on there. I actually think it might be it might be one of those situations where the better offensive teams struggle a little bit early on. And I want to pull up Calgary's offensive numbers compared to their defensive numbers. I actually didn't look at Calgary's offense that much, but Winnipeg's got a high-flying offense. Calgary's offense is kind of middle of the road. Uh, whereas Winnipeg is a little bit higher up the, up the ranks. I, I'm going to favor defense early. I'm going to favor defense. I'm going to favor toughness. I would probably lean Calgary here. I okay. haven't looked this series a ton yet. I'm not probably going to be betting on this series because I have no idea how to handicap Canada versus Canada. But it's been a while <laughs> since Canada. can't take your blame Canada trend, but go ahead. It's been a while since Canada's won the Cup, 93, the Montreal Canadiens. So it's been quite some time, almost 30 years. Uh, I don't think they're going to break that streak. But I think if they do, I think Edmonton has the best chance to do it because they've got the most talent. Right. And the Oilers right now going off at 23-1 to 1 on fan. Well, it's not a bad price. 23-1 to is not a bad price. If they can get past that initial series with the Blackhawks and they can get those stars, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, the, you know, the top scorers yeah. in hockey, if they can get those guys rolling again, I think the Oilers might be cooking with gas. But Jets, Flames, okay. eh. As a then Jets fan, I'll just leave Jets. Before we got break, okay? There's only a couple minutes left. We're talking about these Canadian teams that maybe can do it. The only other kind of favorite in the first round is the Canucks out there in Vancouver. Yeah. Okay, by the way, Vancouver, another potential bubble city. I don't know how much that impacts you. I, I would probably say fade Canada in every series, and you're probably going to come out on top in, in, in the end. So you like Minnesota over Vancouver? Yeah, you like you're getting plus money with Minnesota, right? I I would take the plus money. I I think I'm gonna take plus money in every possible series I can early on. 
The only series I'm looking to lay with early is the Isles. That's well, the what about the, so Montreal is plus one sixty five. Yep. You're fading Absolutely. Canada, or you play no, that that one's one too there. big. That one's too that's too pricey to fade. So the plus money is the trump card, and you're, it's like plus, plus money, money is the trump card. Then blame Canada. <laughs> right? well, think about it. I mean, it's such a toss up. How do you I mean, handicap this? It's three oh, months Harry later. Dominant for me. Yeah, if, if you take all back. plus money, you don't even have to yeah. go 500 and you finish up. And I, I, I think the, I think a lot of these series prices are wrong. I don't know how wrong they're going to be, but I think it's if you think it's hard for us to handicap, but think about the odds makers trying to set the odds on these things. So I, I think it's tough. Uh, they literally booked the the the, the uh, Jets Flame series as a total toss up. There's not even plus money to take there. So uh, I'll probably stay away from that one. If I had to make my picks today, I'll give you series picks right now. Rangers. Quick, we only got 30 seconds left. Isles. Leafs, but that's because I just have a weird feeling they win this series. Then I'll go Blackhawks, Coyotes, Wild, Canadians, and then I'm laying off the Jets' flames. All right, there you have it. A little bit of ways to make some extra cash in what I think is called the qualifying round of the NHL playoffs. When we come back, we turn our attention to American football, get you caught up on all the news and notes there. This is In Game Live on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. you find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who are in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.